This, 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 this is is mythical. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jacques Cousteau once said, the sea, the great unifier, is man's only hope. But does that mean that man's only hope technically lies in a giant bowl of soup? What the heck are we talking about today? This is a hot dog as a sandwich. Ketchup is a smoothie. Yeah, I put ice in my cereal, so what? That makes no sense. A hot dog is a sandwich. A hot dog is a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> what? Welcome to our podcast, A Hot Dog is a Sandwich, the show we break down the world's biggest food debates. I'm your host, Josh Ayer. And I'm your host, Nicole Handizade. And today we are joined by science communicator, book writer, YouTube crash course co-creator, vlog brotherer, and the guy that all of TikTok turns to for answers, Hank Green. Hello! Hank, welcome to the show. Hello! Hank, thank you for coming. Absolutely, thank you for coming. Uh, t- thanks you for coming on my podcast. <laughs> right, you, uh, yes. Yeah, you're correct. officially a co-owner of the podcast yes, now. Yes. That that happened. It was, yeah, it was yeah. part of the terms. Uh, so you know, the reason that we wanted to have you on here is we we have had is the ocean a soup on our list for so long, since and the I don't beginning. since the beginning. <laughs> and there was pushback from both of us at different times. Anytime we'd actually meant to schedule it, mm-hmm. um, primarily for the reason of is too dumb. It's too dumb. <laughs> Not dumb. We we treat all these questions with a certain amount of seriousness. Sure, uh-huh. we always do, yeah. But yeah. ever since we asked the question of when you eat a hot dog, does it technically become a hot dog inside your own intestines? Oh we were like, maybe let's dial it back on the bigger <laughs> things. But, Hank, we saw your TikTok where someone asked you the question, is the ocean a soup? And you had a, a very, what I think is a profound answer. I mean, most of your answers to anything at least seem very <laughs> profound to me. Um, and so we wanted to have you on to, to discuss it, to flesh it out. I mean, can you kind of paraphrase your, uh, your views on it? Yeah, I mean, I think I like ultimately, and th- this gets to kind of the root of what you do here. And I don't want to like uh, say, "All right, we've done, we finished." Uh, <laughs> but but that uh, you know, all language is created by us, and every you know, in some way, every word means a slightly different thing to every person. Mm-hmm. And who gets to decide what a word means is, of course, us. And, uh, but also we get to disagree about that. So in addition to us, it's me and it's you and it's you. It's, uh, uh, and so, so we, uh, so if you want the ocean to be a soup, then it's a soup, man. You did it. You could just do that in your own brain. You can make that decision. Uh, but of course, uh, that, that's it. That's, that's my way of being like, oh God, please don't, don't, don't involve me in these conversations anymore. <laughs> and yet... I have Here decided that I do want to come on the podcast and talk uh, <laughs> in, a, in a deeper way about whether or not the ocean is a soup. And also, if if that makes me a soup, like what? Mm. Soup is a, is, is a strange idea straight up. But like, if the ocean is a soup, then I'm definitely a soup. Mm. Just in a big, a big skin bag. <laughs> I think more of like a tartare with like the raw meat. Yeah, to me, yeah, if we're yeah. if we're going in the culinary classification, we were actually very worried that you wouldn't want to talk about this, primarily because the TikTok answer it was a bit of like a it was a somewhat of a punt. It was a very Absolutely. like. Fi- 
yeah. linguistically, philosophically, uh, you know, ethical sort of punt. It yeah. was like, look, we all collectively decide as a society what words mean. Uh, but it also isn't that simple, right? Like there there are a couple different um, theories in linguistics on when a word sort of becomes sure. actualized. There's, yep. there's like the populist idea sure. that once something becomes popular enough. And this is what, you know, Merriam-Webster is like very active on yeah. Twitter. Sort of deciding. And they're an absolute delight. Yeah. yeah. Um, that, you know, uh, what was the... Irregardless was Irregardless. a big one that, that mm-hmm. people were, you know, sort of mad about that Merriam-Webster officially uh, re- recognizes irregardless as a proper word. And then mm-hmm. you get a bunch of old school copy editors and English teachers being like, there have to be rules in a society. We need gatekeepers. Weirdly, I was in the conversation about this this very morning where uh, <laughs> wow. uh, 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 there was a person who I don't know, uh, but their tweet went uh through a couple of cycles and, and arrived at my eyes, and they were they had been criticized for using snuck instead of sneaked, um, because sneaked is the create word. Like you know, the, the past tense of peak is not puck, puck. Um, yeah. and and this is like you can look all over the place, and this doesn't ha- this hasn't happened to very many other words, uh, but snuck just sort of snuck in, which is lovely. <laughs> And uh, but, uh, but but also I think for good reason because snuck is so much better than sneaked. Yeah. Yeah, sounds so much better. So they had been basically criticized for using snuck because that's the more uneducated uh, past mm. tense of sneak, and uh, and the person was like, oh gosh, uh, what do I, what do I do when I'm getting emails like this? Uh, the answer is of course ignore them uh, and then declare yourself <laughs> yes, to be 100% team snuck, which I am. Yeah, I I think I'm willing to put all my support I'm behind team snuck. snuck. Yeah. Well, this this happened with with my grandma who um, is 99 <laughs> years old. She she's almost <laughs> she's very almost getting to the centenarian. Yeah. Uh, but she is also from South Africa, and she also you know South Africa obviously um, very politically divided, and you uh-huh. know uh, especially you know also between the Dutch and the British. And so she was in the era where it was like you spoke the Queen's English if you wanted uh-huh. to be in a certain national society, right. you had to speak the Queen's. Uh, and so. I used the term dove as the past tense of dive. Of dive. And she was uh-huh. like, well, what? It's dived. What are you talking? And I was like, Granny, that sounds straight up ignorant. You saying dived <laughs> like that. I don't know if you know. I say dived. You say dived? Yeah. I dived Ooh. into this. I dove, dove. into it. Hank, what I also, I also dove. I have dove into dove into my British aristocratic grandmother raised you. <laughs> my mom, Sheila, and my dad Morris, I guess. I don't know. I say dived. But that's that's one of those things that there yeah. it's like um the spelling of judgment, whether you add an E after the G, it's very much a, yeah, a it's just you know, a... British Commonwealth American oh, okay. split. Interesting. To which there's no there's no right answer one might look intuitive to you yeah, but not true. to another person who grew up mm-hmm. with another set of rules now how does this apply to the ocean of soup because we're talking about <laughs> <Words>. who, <laughs> whether or not okay because the 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 general sort of claim that hank made of you know who decides if the ocean is soup it's you if the ocean is soup to you it is but i think that there may be we need to reach some sort of consensus some sort right. of societal consensus to decide right and I, i'm like so so the soup, I think one of the main things about it is, is it is nutritive. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if I if I drink ocean, it is definitely not nutritious. It is not like I'm not going from like, okay, I I have a I have a physiological need that must mm-hmm. be satisfied. Ocean is in a very deep way not going to do that. Not only is it not going to provide me calories, I'm sorry, I'm coming down. I'm coming down hard and early. Not only does it not provide me calories, it will make me sick. Like it will dehydrate yes. me. You mm-hmm. can't drink ocean 
uh, because there's so much salt in it that it's like sucks the water out of your cells. And then you need to, you need to go and, uh, you know, if you ever dove into the ocean, you (laughs) (laughs) find, and and swim around for long enough, you know, you need to get on, on shore and have a drink, uh, have a pina colada. So, so what you're saying yeah. is the ocean is a condensed soup, the way that Campbell's cells condense oh, chicken no. soup. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm oh, saying, no. No, hold on. Hold, the, okay, hold on. So the ocean is both condensed and dilute soup. So one, yes. you, need to, you need to dilute the salt, but you need to condense the, the nutrition. Well, it depends on what part of the ocean. There's definitely calories in the ocean. Like mm-hmm. there's, okay. there's fish. That's a thing that comes that is often in soup, but there's also like algae that maybe I don't know if we can get any 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 of the chlorophyll out of that and make that into into uh, energy for ourselves. But there's oh, all yeah, kinds no, of I mean we certainly can. Yeah, well, I mean there, there's yeah, tons kelp. of vegetables in the ocean. Lots of vegetables. I mean people eat tons of kelp. You have you have kombu. I mean you have so many different seaweeds mm-hmm. that people have been eating for generations that do provide a lot of nutrients. You can't just list one seaweed. Spear. And, I mean we can, we got we got spirulina. What's the <laughs> ogo from uh, ogo from Hawaii? That's mm-hmm. my favorite seaweed. That's a good one. You got sea grapes. You got sea fennel. Uh, literally, you just put this has been so this is a big thing in the aquatic foraging movement that ended up in fine dining restaurants where they would put the word sea in front of like a, a normal land vegetable uh-huh. and then assume that we would know what it means. So there was a do you remember sea grapes? I love sea grapes. Sea beans. I'm very passionate about sea lettuce. These were all things that ended up on menus. Yeah. and It was just like a green, crunchy, salty thing. You guys remember menus? <laughs> I do. Good old days. I, I didn't realize restaurants are all just doing QR codes on your phone. Yeah, they are. Which is my first restaurant experience back in society was um, oh, uh, at a, wow. a BJ's brew house with nice. my with my 99 year old grandmother fully vaccinated first time leaving you know the home in in a year oh, and she wanted pizza so we took her to the BJ's brew house and what then when quality. she asked for the menu and they said oh hello 99 year old woman this is a QR code <laughs> I was like, no, society has already changed so much since they went into quarantine. Um, Blown right past us all. Okay, but if we're talking about taking the general proportions of the ocean and then compressing that into one microcosm, you know, one tiny microcosmic bowl of soup, then you'd be right in that it would be both condensed, too salty to eat, but also nutritionally dilute. Yeah. But if you took the right slice of ocean, mm-hmm. if you if you just simply <laughs> dipped a pitcher, I, this is the lengths that we are going to. Hear. Right. If you dipped a pitcher and you got a couple little like mud crabs, this is these things do not all live in the same tertiary level of the ocean. <laughs> but you got some nice kelp. You got some nice little mud crabs. Yeah, to you got a, a stock. Got a sardine. Yeah, you got a little seahorse. You know, you could <laughs> in theory take that. I love seahorse soup. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> I really seahorse. wish I could go back. Go back to the old days when I could go to the restaurant and get seahorse soup. <laughs> the worst thing is that if, if any show were to create it, it would be GMM. That yes. would be. Yeah. That's very true. And I'm, I'm so grateful every day that they have not asked me to procure a seahorse. Yes. You eat a seahorse. I, that's hard line. Next day, I almost want to cut this in the podcast so Rhett and Link don't, don't okay. eventually hear that. Uh, but, but if you took the right proportion of ocean and you were to boil, <laughs> yeah. wait, you were wait, wait. to boil that. You. I'm gonna stop you. You would go ahead. Okay, I've I've googled. Can you eat a seahorse? <laughs> no. And and you know how Google like now is making it so you don't have to click a link. It just like appears like a yes. box. Yes. And it says that it says unfortunately seahorses are edible. And I'm like, who decided? <laughs> But it was unfortunate. I mean, unfortunate for the seahorse, certainly. I suppose. Yeah. But like, uh, but but fortunate for for the for the ET, the person doing the eating. Um, but <laughs> I guess I guess probably discovery. that that they, they uh, have put pressure on them 
through the harvest of seahorses. So hmm. that makes sense. Maybe be maybe be cautious about future seahorse consumption. Everyone, yeah, I'm not doing to, to that. To be clear, this is a thought exercise. Yeah, I don't yeah. intend to eat yeah, seahorses. Yeah, no, I, for, sure don't. I don't. We got. I already uh, made a video of, of eating octopus, and, and everyone who watched my octopus teacher really did not seem to enjoy that. Yeah, uh, and I apologize. It octopus happens. It's okay. Is a more sustainable seafood. Anyways, point is, you could, in theory, take that perfect slice of ocean and then boil that down. Uh, you could even potentially desalinate it a little bit. We've all had soup bases that are too salty, right? Sure. You know, and I, I always mean, run ever... it through my my pocket desalination plant. <laughs> But I mean, I you keep could, in my home. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, uh, literally. So the way that bouillon is created, right? Uh, chicken sure. bouillon. If you ever uh-huh. use that in your home, it okay. is literally stock that has been just dehydrated until it's a powder. So yeah. this would take a certain amount of culinary skill for the home chef to do. But you could boil that slice of ocean down until you created a sort of bouillon, right? That you could, in theory, take right. to space. I'm just well, saying, hmm. and then take some of that out. I mean, ultimately, to me, it only has to have a little bit of nutrition, and it has to not be mm-hmm. poisonous. That's yeah. That's a soup. Like, but if you have point. to take so much, if you have to do so many steps to get it to that point, then it wasn't a soup to begin with. You made the soup. You I, were yeah. The soup at creator. what point did I create the soup? So the thing mm-hmm. is, well, because okay, it has to. So now, now I'm like backing up, and I'm saying, okay, I think a soup can be so salty that it dehydrates me. That's Certainly. okay. Like, yeah. that, I'm sure that there are soups like that. That are mm-hmm. yeah. So it's very salty soup. If I So, the ocean is not a soup, because if you just, like, took the ocean, there's just way too much water and not enough food. Mm. But if I, I, like, dip a spoon, and in that spoon, there is a sardine, yeah, and then I eat that, at that point, I feel like it's soup. Because it's it's nutritious, it's salty, and it's wet. And that's That's just a wet sardine. No! (laughs) Hank, that's just a wet sardine! You guys are not accounting... You know, let me tell you, let me stop you guys right here. You are not accounting for how horrible we treat the ocean. It is Where, full of what? trash. Where did we get? No, the ocean it is, is full so of trash. Pollution denial. Not you. Not you. Up on Hank. I'm you saying. Are. I'm saying the the human the human species. Uh-huh. We pollute the ocean. Nah. There's so much oil in the ocean. Uh-huh. There's so much trash in the ocean. There's so much sewage in the ocean. <laughs> if you had a bowl of ocean soup, mm. you would die. No. Well, You've ne- you would have, have to go to the doctor and you just like get a mouthful and you swallow it. Because well, I have. I feel like you would have to go to the doctor if you ate a bowl of soup nah. from the ocean. The, o- the ocean is the ocean is so big. Look, there's a, th- a saying in, in environmental uh, work: S- mm-hmm. dilution is the solution to pollution. Um, okay. You can't you can't get rid of pollution. But and look, the, there's always been uh, stuff. Like there's always like in certain parts of the ocean you can't drink it. Like you can't go down to a hydrothermal yeah. vent and like take that mm. and like that's that's gonna be that's gonna be poison nasty that's nasty just a sauce. Hot soup. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's just a nice but, it's pre-warmed. But uh, but you know all of the fishes and whales are drinking the ocean and they're okay. I mean drinking drinking they don't have to drink really. But they the ocean is is in and around them, and uh, and they're okay. I, I'm not worried about the poison. I'm worried about the salt, but. There are there are soups out there that are so salty that I would I would co- I would compare them to the saltiness of the ocean. But I do I do like that's just a wet sardine. I think there's a case to be made that that's just a wet sardine. Thank you. Do you think you're more likely to dip a spoon into the ocean and pull up a sardine or dip a spoon into the ocean and just hit a BP oil spill? 
honestly, which one is more likely? Neither. It's a wet cigarette. Well, <laughs> yeah, that is much more likely. It's I, a yoo-hoo bottle. Okay. It's a it's a drinking <laughs> yoo-hoo bottle. Growing Josh. up in the in the American public education system, I was raised to believe that the ocean is ninety percent the six pack rings. Yeah, yes. the rings that the six packs of soda come in. <laughs> yeah. It is ninety percent dolphins stuck in those. Yeah. yeah, and now also turtles with the straws in their noses. Mm-hmm. Those are the only creatures in the ocean. Yes. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, based on the YouTube content that yes. I consume. Yes. Uh, but to, to go to the wet sardine, I I think people are talking about the wrong food when it comes to the ocean because I I personally don't believe it's soup. If you have to take so many steps to it to make it an edible soup, uh, I agree with the fact that if you get one sardine in that, that is just a very weak sardine-filled broth. But still, it doesn't have to be a good soup. It just has to be a soup. I would argue that the ocean is a giant jar of pickles. (laughs) Because if you think about the salinity of the ocean, if you put cucumbers into just straight-up seawater, they would lacto-ferment and they would become delicious Jewish half-sour pickles. Oh, my gosh. The ocean is a giant thing. And also, if you eat certain certain seaweeds, if you eat, I mean, certain sea creatures, think about oysters, right? Yeah. Oysters have such natural salinity to them mm-hmm. because they're swimming in pickle brine. Well, yeah. So I think that the ocean is, <laughs> the ocean is certainly has pickles in it. The ocean has definitely <laughs> brined some things, but not all of the things. And so like uh, n- now, now I get to be myself and tell you that that lots of organisms in the ocean pump salt out of themselves Mm -hmm. so that they are not as salty as the solution that they are in and the whole point Mm -hmm. of pickling is that you have salt and vinegar and you like get it to seep into the pickle but that doesn't happen Mm -hmm. to all living organisms in the ocean though some it does that's actually because i mean i I was wondering about that because certain shellfish taste really sweet like certain certain bivalves you know i mean Mm -hmm. clams are incredibly sweet whereas oysters they're they're natural i guess they're what we would call their liquor in the culinary world is is that just seawater i mean what are they that's a great question i don't know uncle hank how do oysters work (laughs) boy i don't know what a liquor is (laughs) so it's it's a term for when you when you crack open a fresh oyster i don't know if you're a fresh oyster guy but if you crack open a fresh oyster there's just a residual like pool of liquid that is sort of surrounding the oyster flesh and that's referred to as like the oyster liquor and it's like very prized because it kind of has that seawater quality but i don't know if it's the oyster you know just it's natural juices and secretions mm, i th- might be. i think oysters open when they are doing their mm. like stuff um and so that would uh, that would i imagine but i don't know it, that it may be that 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 like there's space inside of it that is just like the seawater gets in there or it may be that they are processing seawater and that the liquor is a, a, some kind of excretion from from the oyster. I don't know. Yeah, Google.com is saying it's the natural juice that you find inside of raw oysters. So oyster whatever ju- that oyster means. Juice. Mm. Oyster juice. <laughs> juice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that is. Okay, so we talk about the evolution of words, and that, and that certainly happens in the culinary world all the time. I... I mean, obviously, we named our podcast after the sort of granddaddy of all of these debates, right? Uh-huh. Uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? And that is something we have decided we will never talk about. Nope, I don't it want It is to. merely the muse, the namesake of our podcast, uh-huh. but uh-huh. we're we're not ready to get into that. I don't but think we But w- one thing that people do often say to us is a hot dog is not a sandwich, it is a taco. And it, it got me researching the word sandwich in taco because everyone knows the foundational myth of the sandwich, right? The Earl of Sandwich yep. was playing a poker game. This is in the mid-17th century, I believe. Didn't want to get his cards dirty. And he was like, ah, bread has been around for 4,000 years. Meat has been around for 10,000 years. Never before now has a person thought to put them together except I, the Earl of Sandwich. Uh-huh. 
And so thus the sandwich was created. But before the term sandwich, people were obviously putting meat. They would have been fools. Like they <laughs> discovered the heliocentric model, but they yeah. couldn't discover bre- bread, meat, bread. bread? bread <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> and so once a, a term gets created, ditto with tortillas. Been around for 10,000 years. Yep. The term taco only dates back to the mid 1800s. Mm. But certainly they were describing. The Earl, and it was the Earl of, Earl of Taco. He, that is that is exactly what I'm saying. But uh, but what I'm saying is, you know, uh, words, the concepts ex- have existed forever, yeah. uh, but the words are right. very new. So ditto even for soup. The term soup is constantly changing. The The original etymology of soup, it comes from Old Germanic. It's specifically referred to a dish of broth poured onto bread oh, to rehydrate it on old bread. I didn't know that. Yeah, which I think is really interesting. So even the original definition of soup has changed, uh, which is why I argue that soup does not exist. Much in the way that there is no such thing as a fish because it is a sort of broad, meaningless category that we have only used to, like, ascribe to things that kind of live in the ocean uh, and and don't give, like, live birth. Uh, That is, to me, what soup is. It just doesn't exist. It's just wet food, but then some wet foods are called sauces, some wet foods are called stews, and there's no defining characteristic. So part of me doesn't even want to entertain the is ocean of soup. Then what's the point of the podcast, man? <laughs> I don't know anymore, man. I assume it's going to have a good time. All right. First of all, some <laughs> some fish do give live birth, which continues to confuse our whole situation, including really? uh, 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 seahorses. Really? We, but seahorses, the, but, yeah. But the males give live birth, which is even weirder. As a feminist, that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> that, that seahorse really gets my juices flowing. <laughs> the... Uh, yeah, but but so ultimately, it comes down to the to the to the utility of a word. Mm-hmm. I think that you can't say that soup doesn't exist because there are because I need a word for my wet foods. <laughs> Why? Why do you need because, a word? Because for your I wet can't foods? I can't go into a restaurant and and like have the section of the menu with soups on it to say wet foods. Why? But why? Why come? Why come, Hank? Why come you can't say that? Just, you you know. can just point to it You're, on the QR code. <laughs> All of the, I, it's not that I have to say it out loud. It's that it's that the chefs of the world need a good they need a good brand for that category of food. And just like mm-hmm. salad, you know, like apparently a potato salad is a salad for some reason. Mm. Like, no, it's not. It's mayonnaise <laughs> and potatoes. Just like that's that's more a soup than a salad. <laughs> yeah, depends where you get it from, but no, I totally agree. Well, talking about the soup, the soup breakdown of menus, a thing I'm always sort of fascinated with is uh, at especially a lot of Chinese restaurants, there is a section of soups that will be, you know, if it's an American Chinese restaurant, mm-hmm. hot and sour, egg drop, yeah. uh, yep. uh-huh. sizzling rice, so, corn, yeah. and then you will go to the noodle section, and a lot of those noodles are also coming in soup. Right, right. And curry, and so, mm. curry is all, also often soup. Like the, like in the curry section, you're like, oh, that's, I, you know, that's a curry soup to me, American. I, I would agree, but yeah. again, mm. these are these these cultural lines where everything's lines. very blurry on what yeah. a soup is, and if we want to create, what is it, like the Kantian world state, you know? I don't even know what the, I read that. I heard that in one. Uh, you know, like if what? we want to all come together, okay. we need to create a one defining, you know, sort of modality for soup. And I don't think we have the ability to do that. Right. But I also don't know that we I don't also don't need that we all we do need to come together in one world that <laughs> in which all all like everybody agrees that because part of the part of the joy and the beauty of being a human is this diversity where like suddenly you're like, well, I don't know. Is is that curry a soup? Uh, like it's like if it was. 
if it was on the menu at an American like steakhouse, mm-hmm. they probably would call that a soup. But like, yeah. he, but like, we are so diverse as a species that like, hey, like, like we have such cultural diversity that it's not gonna like that word isn't gonna apply in the same place every place. Which which brings me back to fish. Yes. <laughs> to put this in in like uh, for for people who aren't aware of the there is no such thing as a fish uh, argument, um, we are more closely related to some fish than other fish are to other fish. So the the sort of like common ancestor of all fish also includes cats. Wow. Mm. So so if you're if so either I'm a fish or taxonomically some fish are not fish. But we also look and we say okay fish are a certain thing. They look a certain mm. way, they behave a certain way and and just because like just because taxonomically there isn't a there isn't a way that we can uh sort of define fish and the ways and and by the way we can do this with like birds for example like birds are a thing birds are all re- commonly related to it's like they that's they all share a, have a shared ancestor whereas like the <laughs> so it's it's not always this way but but we still need the word fish like we still need to mm. we still need to, a name for that thing that looks like a fish even if they aren't closely related to each other they just like converged upon the right shape to be a good water animal boy it's like you sort of you sort of have to make concessions for the convenience and communicability of it, mm-hmm. in a sense. You have to yeah. make certain like scientific concessions. This this Absolutely. happens a lot with the concept of of red meat versus white meat. Right. You know, mm. when the the pork board had the single greatest, most manipulative advertising campaign of all time <laughs> in the 1980s, the the pork, the other white meat yeah. uh, campaign um, that, you know, it got people to believe that pork is, quote unquote, white meat. They literally bred pigs to be leaner, to have less mm. red flesh Interesting. to look white. But I mean, the split between white and red meat was typically to describe, you know, nutritional value, levels of saturated fat. Uh, white meat has mm-hmm. always had a connotation of being healthier. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so for people to, you know, now think that pork is, quote unquote, white meat, which is, I mean, almost entirely limited to like poultry and yeah. And birds, right. uh, it, it was a great way to sort of trick people because it physically looked lighter. And they were like, well, that can't be red meat because it's quite grayish pink. <laughs> it must uh, be good for me. Must be good yeah, but it was like, yeah. no, the, you're misunderstanding the point of the taxonomy. Yeah. Was to describe levels of saturated fat, et cetera. Mm. Right. And so it's a way that, like the you know, the literalism was taken over the side of like utility. Right. Right. So you you take a word that has a utility, and you want to associate with that utility, and that that's the like very specific goal is to associate with a particular utility, even mm-hmm. though it actually doesn't apply to that thing. And at that point, it's a trick of like of of advertising and of marketing. Uh, but this can also just happen. Like it, yeah. like that mm-hmm. that is a thing Naturally. that was kind of done done intentionally but it's also a thing that could just happen uh, and especially when you have a word uh uh i've lost my train of thought oh dang it Happens welcome all to the, the podcast time. <laughs> yeah. the hot dog is a tangent <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I, I think i think we can all i don't mean to speak for the group but i think i think what <laughs> i have noticed in summation of the argument of you know is the ocean a soup is that the ocean as it stands right now uh is is not a soup you would maybe need to transmute it using some sort of culinary skill to get it to be an appropriate soup there is yeah, the chance a, that you could get a bite at that point you're making a soup and like you can't yeah, make a soup yeah. out of a soup well, I guess you Correct. could. True. You, I mean, well, actually. You add the right amount of water to condensed cream and mushroom. I was just about soup. to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay, Hank. So you you, you are, I, I use the term the patron saint of sagacity. 
on TikTok and people have been coming to you for answers for so long. Uh, we have discussed many other questions on the show. I, I want to do a quick lightning round just to get your initial thoughts uh-huh. on some things we've discussed in the past. Do you yes. feel prepared for that? I do. All right, cool. So uh, I mentioned many of them are soup related. <clears throat> One, is cereal soup? No. Okay. Are Pop-Tarts ravioli? Definitely not. It's correct on that. Uh, if you eat a hot dog as it travels through you in your intestines... Does a part of you actually become a hot dog? <laughs> Think about it. Like I'm the bun? Yeah. Yeah, you're the bun. I mean, well, I mean, we also call bunless hot dogs hot dogs. Yes, that's correct. You just eat a hot dog solo. I eat hot dogs at the pack. Well, then am I not am I not just a hot dog all the time then? Like what? Well, I mean, well, I think it depends you tell on me. So actually there are legal requirements for uh so a hot dog oh, has uh, to be uh, at least 50% plus meat and no more than 30% fat to satisfy the FDA requirements for a hot dog. So it depends on the contents traveling through your intestines mm-hmm. at the time. Interesting. So if you've eaten a balanced breakfast of oats, etc., cetera, uh, that's filler. And Hank, you're trying to cheapen your intestines uh, to, to sell to consumers. I'm definitely like not a hot dog. I'm not a hot dog. I'm not a hot dog. I'm a hot dog. A part of me is a hot dog. Okay. I mean, a lot of this. That's fine. Comes down to how you view yourself, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I do like when things are actually legally defined. Mm-hmm. My favorite uh, one, Mendeleev, the man who made the periodic table, you may have mm-hmm. remember him from chemistry class, mm-hmm. uh, also worked for the Russian government and he legally defined what vodka is. So vodka oh. is always the exact same thing. Now, there are people who will tell you that they can taste the difference between different vodkas, but legally they are the same. They are 60% water, 40% ethanol. That's what vodka is. But also vodka is like the, uh, I I didn't know that about Mendeleev. That's really fascinating. But vodka is, um, everyone thinks it's made from potatoes, but a vast majority of the world's vodka is it's made from just grains. Yeah, you don't like. So there's like very few legal protections just outside of Mendeleev. Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's just that he defined it that way. And so it just sort of like stuck. And so the, like you can make ethanol out of a, a number of different, you can make it from potatoes, you can make it from grains. Um, Interesting, but uh, it's it's sort of wherever the ethanol comes from. Now yeah. th- there will be very very small impurities that are probably different from in, in potato vodka versus grain vodka, but mm-hmm. I I cannot imagine a person who could taste them. But maybe that person exists. I have lied to a Russian waiter at a fancy restaurant and said that I could taste the difference between their vodka flight, but I was just having a really great time. <laughs> I was I was playing into wow, it. I was yeah. like, oh my god, I can taste, yeah, I can taste the terroir of Poland. Yeah, go to Kachka in Portland, uh, unreal restaurant. Cool. That sounds good. Okay, I have one more. Qu- I have a few more questions for you. Okay. If you stack one lasagna on top of another lasagna, does it become one lasagna? Yes. <laughs> That's a good one. Are Cheetos chips? No. Is tomato really a fruit? Yes. Tomato's mm. absolutely a fruit. Hmm. I don't like that. Both, both, Kat- I think both botanically, which is definitely, but also mm. in terms of how I consume them, they are fruits. In terms of how you consume? Yeah, I feel like you putting making the t- fruit sandwiches? What? Well, I was, I was yeah, going to say, yeah. I could put a pineapple on a sandwich. That's delicious. I just realized after I said that, I ate a banana sandwich this morning. Yeah, so hello. I'm like, okay, dummy, let's let's back that one up real fast. All right, is Kit Kat technically lasagna? Uh, no. Is cheesecake a pie? Yes. Are muffins unfrosted cupcakes? Yes. <gasps> I love that. I love that you you looked like a kid in the spelling bee. Who was like reciting, you know, trying to like mouth out the yeah, words yeah, yeah. and not allowed to write them. <laughs> Press it P R E S T. 
right, uh, Hank, <laughs> I, I feel not only great about the, is the ocean a soup, but also about a lot of our previous discussions. Me not that too. we needed your validation. Well, but the we only one I, the only one I feel uh, that I'm sort of moving back on is cereal being a soup. And I, I'm sort of now I'm sort of more on the table of potentially cereal being a soup. Oh, soup. But, this yeah. is where we ended up to. That was a long and emotional one for us. We both cried after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Nicole and Hank, we've heard what you and I have to say. Now it's time to find out what other wacky ideas are rattling out there in the Twitterverse. It's time for a segment we call Opinions Opinions Are Like Casseroles. We got to standardize if it's a song. If it's just us saying... It's sing-songy. We're going sing-songy for now? It's sing-songy. sing-songy. Okay, okay, but not a song. All right. First up, Nicole, you want to rock it? Sure. Card underscore tag says, cream cheese is great on pizza with ground beef. The cream cheese will melt but retain its form. Little pockets of melty cream cheese make for an interesting textural experience. Okay. Take it away, Hank. Uh, I'm sorry. I got distracted and I got confused. (laughs) I was like, I heard the beginning and I thought that I would understand what was going on. But then I then I like lost my train of thought in the middle and I felt like a spell had been cast on me. I I appear that's what my voice does on people. <laughs> I, it's not the first time. <laughs> it would appear they're making dolloped pockets of cream cheese on their pizza. Yeah. With ground beef. Yeah, that's what it sounds mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Any cheese belongs on pizza. Like I, the first time I had a barbecue pizza, it was like cheddar cheese mm-hmm. and barbecue sauce. I was like, this is mm-hmm. an insane idea. And mm-hmm. I had it and I was like, well, turns out cheese on bread. Uh, is good. <laughs> so I think, yeah, I think you, I think dollop. So one of my favorite uh, pizza toppings in the world is goat cheese. And mm. this seems very similar to that. I actually think cream cheese might have an advantage to goat cheese in oh. certain, in certain forms only because goat cheese, when you bake it, it gets, it gets chalky on the top, mm. on the top. Yeah. yeah. It kind of, yeah. it loses that moisture and there's so much acid in goat cheese that yeah. it kind of almost curdles and gets chalky and you lose that creaminess. So if you're going to bake it on top, if, if hot cheese is important to you, yeah. cream cheese is a great way to go and you get more flavor than ricotta. Yeah. I, to me, this is this is a beautiful, like, very American innovation on pizza. Yeah, yeah I put absolutely. cream cheese in my Italian-esque recipes a lot. I kind of throw a dollop <laughs> yeah. in my pasta sauces, yeah. and Heck it yeah. helps with the texture 100%. The first time I realized that the, the line between cream sauce and mm-hmm. tomato sauce didn't have to be a hard line was yeah. like, yeah. I'm free! <laughs> yes. This happened Pandora's to me, this happened to me in Italy. I was in Italy, and I got, a, I got like, this amazing lasagna that was uh you know creamy tomatoey sauce and i was just like what what are we doing in america (laughs) and this was the 90s so um we we have we have learned since then the less liberty 90s all right at j bush 53 my grandmother in southern alabama would serve us a dish called pear salad it was a canned pear half with a dollop of mayo sprinkled with cheddar cheese on a leaf of iceberg lettuce because it's still a salad (laughs) Hey, you you were talking about the salad term mm-hmm. earlier. I'm curious. Uh, I don't. I so first of all, I don't think that's a salad. Second, it sounds. Look, I don't know. A, a, it sounds like a food that you eat when necessary. Yeah. Mm. It sounds like you know there are rations. We don't know exactly what foods are going <laughs> to arrive at the house, and so we will put canned pear on iceberg lettuce. Yeah, it's like the food that launched a holiday for like, you know, a major religion. It's like, look, look, times were hard. This is all we had. This is what we made. Yeah. Now we make it every year. I just don't get it. <laughs> I just don't get it, guys. I don't understand oh, this. I, I think, so part of this, I mean, my, my dad sort of grew up in that like baby boomer post-war, like a, a space race era okay. where they were so fascinated 
by modern food production technology. Mm -hmm. And so there was this huge fascination with commercial canned items. There's a huge fascination with uh, preserved mayonnaise that was shelf stable. Uh And so that's how all this stuff ended up in these recipes where you're like, a canned pear half covered in mayonnaise that I bought at the grocery store and now I'm starting to enter the workforce. There's a sort of fascination with all these foods. Um, Also ditto with tropical fruits because of American... Yeah, yeah. neocolonialism yep. into Hawaii and Guam and, and Puerto Rico. Totally. So that's why we see all these weird, quote unquote, banana and pineapple recipes. And so this, right. I don't know if it would taste good, but it's kind of a cool slice of history. For sure. Uh, canned pears, I feel like, do have an advantage, which mm-hmm. is that they last for more than t- and 12 hours <laughs> yes. uh, between being not ripe and being too ripe. I've given up on pears. I've given up on fresh pears. I love so, fresh pears. They're so good. They're worth it <sighs> if you can make it happen. You just have to yeah. pay a lot of attention. I've yeah. been burned too many times. How do you how do you ripen a pear appropriately? I don't I just buy them and then I touch it and I go, okay, I can eat it now. <laughs> it's very yeah. simple for me. You push I love the, a good if pear. you push at the top next to the stem so you don't bruise it. And then you're like, ah, that's not quite hard. I just kind of cradle it and I slightly see how much give there is. Get Mm. the suppleness of it. Uh, Canned pears remind me of hospital food. Oh, definitely. Or, yeah, or like, uh, like cafeteria lunch. Yeah. Well, they remind me of a very fancy pear preparation that I love and you hate, though. Poached pears? The, the poached pear. I oh. hate poached pears. That's very close to I a like canned pear, pears. but you'll pay $18 for it yeah, at a restaurant. I like poached pears. I like, I like hot fruit. Like a banana's foster. Oh, my God. Yes. I love hot fruit, but poached pears just taste like wine, wine-soaked Yes. Yeah. I don't like it. No, I, like- I can't. I can't. I can't. Luke of the Tory says sous vide heaters are great at keeping the bathtub a comfortable temperature. This is some big brain stuff. Hank, are you familiar with the the, <laughs> the sous vide movement? Uh, yeah, you like like seal up a meat in a bag and then you heat it up, and that mm-hmm. that way the water never touches it, but it still gets cooked. I guess. Yeah, so yeah. so the the I guess supposed proprietary technology of the immersion circulator is the name of the actual tool, uh, and some people are very pedantic about not calling it a sous vide cooker. Someone slid in my DMs the other day, and they were so mad that I said sous vide cooker mm. instead of immersion circulator. Interesting. But anyways, uh, all it does it's a, a stick that you put into a a water bath. And it circulates the water at uh-huh. a controlled temperature. Uh-huh. And so that's the big thing. It circulates the water so it heats evenly. But a lot of people have found out that if you kind of just like heat anything to a consistent temperature, it's going to keep that food at that temperature. So if you just find the right setting, like between the three and the four on your stove, mm-hmm. mm. and you basically got a sous vide cooker without any of the, the mess. So I think this person's kind of a... Uh, taking the piss a little bit and being like, sous vide's great for keeping the bathtub at a nice temp. Could it... Would it... That's a lot of, there's a lot of water in a bathtub. Would it be able to, I guess it, it might. So like you got your heat loss because the water is, Mm -hmm. you know, warmer than the environment. So you got your heat loss to the air and the, and the tub and et cetera. And so like once the the water is at a temperature, it's easier to keep it at the temperature. So you just have to fight against the heat loss. You don't have to heat it Mm -hmm, up. mm -hmm. Yeah. And, but it seems like Uh that would be hard just because there, there is quite a lot of heat loss and also just the sheer volume. Yeah, there's the a lot. There's a lot of water to to yeah. try and keep it the right temperature. But I don't know. It would definitely help. We actually did something at Mythical before before my time mm-hmm. where they tried to cook something sous vide in a kiddie pool. Interesting. And I believe wow. they had about eight sous vide, eight immersion circulators mm. strapped around the side. Right. Yeah. But still, you're fighting a big. I mean, we've 
We've tried and failed at a couple uh, big construction things. That is not our strong suit. We tried to turn a whole uh, gutted car into a pizza oven, and that oh, did not turn out times. well. Oh. Um, I mean, it was a very fun episode. We just uh, made a bad pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I still ate it. Oh, I like this one. At R. La Durell, our whole lives are just looking for ways to justify our consumption of dips and sauces. I, I mean... I think sauces are deeply underrated, even even mm-hmm. at their current level of like I think they're more highly rated than they once were. I, like it, you you know how everybody hates Arby's. <laughs> my dad loves Arby's. It's uh, my dad's like, favorite restaurant. I'm it's familiar like, with the general. It's concept, cool. It's yes. cool to hate Arby's, but it is. There, there, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell Morris. Don't tell Hank. Mind. Don't tell my dad. <laughs> um, uh, but th- so there was an Arby's in my wife's hometown that uh, in Connecticut. And, and I like if all Arby's were like this, I think everything would turn around for them where there was a sauce bar. So Arby's right Ooh. now has more sauces than the average restaurant. They have a uh, horseradish sauce, which is called horsey sauce. And mm-hmm. they have Arby's sauce, which is like a weird, not very good barbecue sauce. Mm. Um, like uh, and then they have ketchup and mustard. And. And so that's like more than you'd usually get. Um, yeah, more than the, necessary, really. No, I disagree. I like all of them. Oh. I get all of the sauces. I have so much horsey sauce at my house, guys. <laughs> I mean, more than like a restaurant is required to serve. They I, don't have to give you right, horsey sauce. More than, they do, and more I than is required. Yes, but but at this one in Connecticut, they, there was a sauce bar, and it was like with pumps, and you could like choose, and you could mix, and I'm like, this is the this is the revolution we need, because. Like, look, there's only so many ways I can enjoy a roast beef sandwich, but if I have a lot of different sauces to choose from, I can, like, mix it up every time. I can be a connoisseur. This can be, like, wine tasting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, anyway, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> that was it, man. You, I mean, we, we have no less than, like, 35 hot sauces in I, our yeah. – But, I mean, not, not, like, not, like, scorch your butt off hot sauces, right, but, I mean, like – flavors. Yeah, just different so flavors. flavors. And you mix those with different mayonnaises and vinaigrettes and – you know, people say that, you know, the, the the arts are what gives life context and makes it worth living. To me, like, you know, the the meat, the grains, the vegetables are what gives your body nutrition. It is the sauces that yeah. make the food worth eating. Some people like their foods a little saucier than others, though. Have you ever hung out with somebody that just <laughs> drenches their Subway in, like, sauce? Or, like, when they go to sushi, they <laughs> just <laughs> dip it in, like, <laughs> spicy mayo, ponzu, eel sauce, and a bunch of other sauces? You're just yeah. like, what are you <laughs> doing? It's like, that, it's like when I was a kid and I got all of the sodas in one cup at Burger yeah. King. Yeah. I yeah. think there's a fine line when people are just like, there's too much sauce, and then there's some people that's like, not enough sauce. I think we all fit in that category of perfect amount of sauce i i don't know i can go overboard my yeah. my favorite wet genre of food, i can go hard for sure my favorite genre of food are wet sandwiches <laughs> yeah salads i like well wet salads when i'm you know trying to eat healthy but wet i mean like a french dip oh you my have god philippe's i was just gonna say philippe's they <gasps> physically drop the sandwich in the broth and then wow. lift it out and it sops you and can you get eat it with <laughs> your hand they have the spicy you mustard double dipped yeah yeah no, yeah you get it is a sandwich or soup is where uh, we have at that point, at that point, you could potentially put a straw in it and suck it up. You could. I'm, I am 100% well, the other, the, uh, Gabriel Iglesias has, has that whole bit about Chico's tacos oh, where yeah. he said it was the first taco that I could drink. <laughs> and if you look at it, it is three taquitos floating in a quart of sauce. Oh, amazing. It's like, that is a soup, sir. Oh, that is a soup, which That's is delicious. also the ocean. Man, this uh, podcast makes me very hungry. I, I'm also getting hungry. I'm me about too. at that point. What's your, um, favorite, what's your favorite sauce? Uh, spicy mayo. 
is my favorite sauce. Any wow. sort of hot sauce plus mayonnaise is my favorite sauce. Yeah. All purpose sauce. Yeah. Favorite sauce. I mean, I, I have long been a ranch dressing fan. Mm. Um, I grew up eating it, putting it on pizza, on chicken. I would put it on spaghetti and mm-hmm. lasagna. But that said, <laughs> I, that. I think I'm now a sauce-free agent um, yeah. where, sauce-free. you know, <laughs> I, I think, you know, uh, Vietn- actually there's a, a Vietnamese condiment called uh, nook trum. That's mm-hmm. like a prepared fish sauce. It's fish sauce, lime, garlic, chilies, and sugar. And to me, that's probably number one on my depth chart. What about you? Um, I'm uh, I'm I'm between just melted butter because mm-hmm. uh, it, I don't know what we did when we made butter, but it's it's amazing. And uh, I think, but ultimately, really barbecue sauce. I have a theory that ketchup is technically a barbecue sauce. All right, on that note, thank you for listening to A Hot Dog is a Sandwich. <laughs> to enjoy more, you got to start talking so no one can respond. <laughs> to enjoy more Hank Green, you can tag him in TikToks and follow him on YouTube by subscribing to the Vlogbrothers channel. You should also read his New York Times best-selling books, An Absolutely Remarkable Thing, or the sequel, A Beautifully Foolish Endeavor. Hank, where else can the listeners check you out? I think that's I think that's good. I have a podcast called SciShow Tangents, which is very fun and weird, where it's a, it's a, it's a science podcast that is not dissimilar from this where we uh, nice. hit each other with science facts and then we just make jokes about it. That's my new commute home podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and if, if you want to hear more from us here in the Mythical Kitchen, we got new episodes for you every Wednesday. If you want to be featured on Opinions of Like Casseroles, you can hit us up on Twitter at Mythical Chef or Zada with the hashtag Opinion Casserole. And of course, if you want to share pics of your dishes, hit us up on Instagram at Mythical Kitchen. See you next time. Hank, thanks again for thanks, stopping Hank. by, man. This is, uh, I this had is so awesome. much fun. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Nicole. This was so cool. 